people just like you have taken the brave step to do this thing we call work differently. They tell their self-unlimited story to inspire and encourage you. Another story begins now. Today's guest is Samantha Garrett. Welcome, Samantha. Thanks for having me back. Yes, and you are back because I've been so looking forward to this conversation with Samantha or Sam, as I will refer to you, because you were a podcast guest in episode 17, about 30 episodes ago, back in November 2020. And just to give some context for our listeners, back then you spoke about doing entrepreneurial work. That's not entrepreneurial, but work inside an organization because you had your own self-led ventures that you were doing and the organization that was employing you was open to that. And so your conversation then also included your boss who could share his perspective on supporting such activity in an employment context. And since then, you have moved to another organization, which I'll let you reveal what organization that was. But importantly, from a self-unlimited perspective, you entered that organization in what I refer to as scenario three, which meant you had a strong sense of the workscape of Sam Unlimited and you had desires and intentions for your workscape. So when you were exploring and entering into a new employment arrangement with an organization, you were having to think about some things and negotiate what was going to be good for you while also good for the organization so that you could have this rich, full workscape that I know that you have as Sam Unlimited. So Sam, let's imagine we've put on the virtual coffee machine and we've got ourselves a cup of coffee and I'd love to hear about your journey and what you've been learning. Yeah, for sure. And my goodness, November 2020 just seems like so long ago. It yes. blows my mind. So I'm having this moment where I'm like, okay, transport back to then and then think about what happened. So um, I love that you've used the word journey, right? Because it always is. Like, it's not a like, oh, I was with one organization and now I'm with another. So, And it was just like a switch. Yeah, definitely, definitely not. So just to kind of like give a really abridged version. So I spoke to you then, end of 2020. And yeah, I was with, so I was with using technology better was the company I was with at the time. And not long after we spoke, actually, I started to do a couple of other little programs in that in that organization with a bit of a productivity focus on it. And I did a bit of that through 2021. And again, with the support of the the organization. So I was employed with them through 2021. But then towards the end of 2021, um, we started having discussions because I wanted to explore taking one of the programs I'd been working on and trying to build it out separately. Mm. So we, we, you know, we chatted as an organization, whether that would be appropriate inside or outside and ultimately decided I'd I'd give it a go on my own. Mm -hmm. So in 2022, we're doing the very quick version here. Yes. 2022. I spent the first few months, I, I dropped back a day a week. So I was four days a week employed and one day just sort of building this out. And then the rest of 2022, I actually spent building my own stuff, we'll put it, but also doing contract work. So I, for the first time in my entire career, I left the comfort of full paid employment, which was huge um, and incredibly frightening. But nonetheless, in hindsight, it was exactly the journey I need to take to get to where I then got so Ooh, I hope you will reveal why. Yeah, I will. I'll get to that. So yeah, so I think to, to use your term, you know, your lovely term of workscape, what that year of 2022 let me do was really establish that workscape as an independent thing to what I'd been doing in, in paid employment or, you know, as an employee the whole time. But also in doing that, 
it just helped me cement what I liked doing, what I didn't like doing. Anyway, so let's fast forward to, or rewind now, but fast forward from then to sort of October last year, 2022. And I've been doing some contracting, doing my own stuff and and not really knowing at that point, like what was going to happen and what I was going to do, but also just having built in myself this deep sense of trust of that whatever is going to happen is going to happen. And I've just got to be open to that. So I just really want to highlight that. Yeah. Cause I really, it took me a while to get to that place. But once I was in that place, I did something, which was I decided to really own the skills and knowledge and experience that got me most excited. And why owning that? It was important because I was still doing some contracting back to my own employer, my old employer and those skills, that knowledge, that experience was very much cemented in the work I'd be doing for them. So I had a deep conflict about how do I put this out into the world myself mm. without compromising that that relationship and that mm. my sense of integrity. So I, I, you know, made peace with that and decided, you know, I'm really going to own that this is my skill set. So just for um, the I listeners, think it's a really important point. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, as it, it does. I think we can we can have that. And I was sort of flipping around the edges of what I knew was my real thing, right? So for context, because it's going to make sense later on when we chat. So for me, that's sharing my knowledge and tips and tricks and all that around everything to do with Google tools, right? That's for some reason, that's the gift I've been given, right? It's like, I can, I can make people love Gmail. I can make people manage their calendar and love Google Drive. So that's my thing. Yes. So in owning that, I decided, all right, cool. I got out there on my my online presence and really beefed that up, let's just say. And it was a few days later, Helen, where I had someone reach out to me from a company called Canva, which some of your listeners might know, a big Australian tech company. And they said to me, oh, we're looking for a Google Workspace specialist, Samantha. Would you be interested? And I was like, oh. And I had two immediate reactions. The first one was, I don't think I want to work for a tech, tech company. Second one was, well, I'm doing my own thing and how is this ever going to work if I'm working for another company, right? Mm. So that, but, but nonetheless, there's this little voice inside my head that's like, no, no, let's just roll with this. So I'm like, tell me more. Be open and, it, and explore. Yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, it's like, I think I got to that point. I said to you, like, I was just trusting the doors would open at the right. So I'm like, maybe this is a door. I should check it out. So while I was sort of waiting to hear back on that and what that process might be, I started to do some research into Canva. And I quickly realized that, if they did even half the things that I was reading about, that it was going to be a very different experience to what I had in my mind as a tech company would yeah. be to work for based on previous encounters and what may be possible. In and it's interesting you say that because I think there can be a view from some organizations. We do all these wonderful things. We're a great place to work. But then you scratch the surface and the reality underneath. And it's like, yeah, you say that, but that's not really what you do or what you really believe. A hundred percent. And that like that was where I, I almost came from the assumption that that's potentially what would happen, right. which is in hindsight, it's not great. But but the more I sort of immersed myself into what I was hearing and seeing, I was like, no, nah, no, nah, this is like this is worth a shot. So anyway, so long story short, went through a recruitment process and I ended up being made an offer, which was amazing. So completely unexpected, but also completely wonderful. And then January this year, I joined Camper and I'm now eight months in. <laughs> so that kind of gives you the, the journey. Mm, um, and context. I know we can dig into specific bits, but mm. yeah, so. And then how lovely to be in a situation where somebody tapped you on the shoulder and seeing. And I think 
sometimes people can think, oh, I know that Sam, what I understand of her and Helen, they are people who write articles and maybe make podcasts and put things out in the world. Are they doing that to make a business? Well, to a certain extent, we do, but it's also can be, it's a way to express yourself and for people to see that you have something of value to offer. So if people are thinking, gosh, why doesn't somebody come and tap me on the shoulder and ask me for a possibility of working in their organization, I ask them to consider what are you putting out there that people can see as evidence of your creativity or the kind of work product that they could actually say, oh, she's somebody or he's somebody, well, they are somebody I think I could talk to. Oh, you're so right, Helen. And I think I'm so glad you said that because all through like what was sort of coming out through this process was two things was one, you know, I was approached by LinkedIn and I'd been doing a lot of content on LinkedIn. And I'd also recently, I think it would be like in the last four or six weeks before I was approached, I'd started up my YouTube channel with all the Google content. So, and that was brought up multiple times during my recruitment process, right? So I think in owning my skills and then putting that out there, and that is, that's literally what yeah. opened the door, yeah. right? Because yeah. Yeah. it was, it, it's, people could see what I was about. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's. And particularly too, it's got a bit of a strategic element because people might think, yeah, but you're not getting paid for it. And I think that's a big shift to kind of make too and owning your own workscape is you, there are things that you might do for which you won't get paid. And a normal employment, you think, oh, well, I do this thing and I got paid for the time. In having your own workscape and thinking more broadly, it's like there are going to be things that I might do that I might not get paid for, but I do have a perspective how they might contribute. It might just simply be, I want to say something in the world. Nobody needs to hear it or listen. I just want to say it. So at least I'm going to do that. Or I could be more strategic and think, ah, what if I would like other people you know, it could be from a generous point of view. I just like to help people. I'm I'm sick of seeing people struggle with their Google. I'm then I've got something I can offer to help them. So whether I get paid for it or not, let me help them. Exactly. And I think like certainly for me now, that desire of just doing it to help people is a hundred percent my motivation. At the time, because I was sort of mm. still trying to make money as well, obviously. But there was a bit of a split one to it there. But when I really broke things down back in late 2022, it was like that question of like, what would I just love doing and do anyway, even if there was absolutely no money? So like, I love making videos and sharing tips with people. So hell, I'm going to do that. Like, yeah, you know, because at the end of the day, if nothing ever came of it, I would still enjoy the process and still enjoy doing it because there's nothing, I'm not expecting anything of it. And it comes to that point is like, and you know, if it helps even three people, awesome like yeah yeah and I think that's a really valuable kind of mindset to cultivate because fast forward to a point where say you're 60 65 and you don't need to earn income and then you're in that phase that people call retirement and people think what am I going to do well you've possibly got skills and abilities and things you could do but you're at that point you tend to think oh it's retirement I'm not expecting to do things related to money but if I've always been thinking in a headspace, everything I must do must have somehow result in money. I think that really limits a way of thinking about what else could I do or contribute in the world. And even if it wasn't retirement, maybe there's a future where universal basic income was coming in. So you didn't have to be so concerned about I've got money coming in to cover my needs. That's kind of taken care of. So okay, well then what would I do that wouldn't be driven by a decision that needs to make me money? Yeah, yeah. It's a really interesting lens to look at it through. And I think uh, it's a good point for self-reflection. 
Mm. So tell me, in joining Canva, what sorts of things were you thinking about? What sorts of questions were they asking for you to figure out how were you going to make the fullness of the Sam Unlimited workscape? Yeah, for sure. So um, there's a couple elements to it. So I was joining, I was going in in a role that had the Google flavor to it, which was awesome because that's my, you know, my key area of expertise and passion. But it wasn't going to be a role that had a large training element, which is, you know, I love to get up in front of audience. I love to speak. I love to share that kind of thing. And I knew there'd be opportunities to do small amounts of it, but I also knew that that was a part of me I still had to satisfy, right? So mm. quickly, you know, in my mind, turned okay, well, for me, and coming back to what I said before, I'm like, well, if I'm going to go into this position with Canva, I want to keep this stuff going but not from a point of like, I want to make money from it. Like, it's like, if you get a bit of few pieces, wonderful. But, you know, at the end of the day, that wasn't going to be the primary motivation. But I wanted to still make sure I could do that without jeopardizing the employment in mm-hmm. Canvas. So I was really lucky because early on, like before the contract phase and everything, it was made pretty clear. I think just through the materials I read, actually, mm-hmm. that they had a process for declaring your own IP and anything you were doing outside activities. And what I found so comforting was that in what I was reading about this, the, the point was made that, so at Canva, we call ourselves Canva Nauts. So I'll just use that language. Like right. many Canva Nauts have outside activities going on, right? Yes. So it was actually the norm. And what I think was a lot of the basis of the process because of a lot of what was written into this, this content was around software developers that had their own products or they've been that you know they had their own code that they had and they wanted to retain that as ip yes i mean i don't know when this process was born so i imagine there was a point obviously when they were just doing this ad hoc but it became enough of a thing that a formal process came out so what happened was that i as part of the contract phase i filled in a whole lot of paperwork around what i did how i did it and all of that gave them all my links and Mm. Um, related to my IP and then that was submitted and reviewed and approved so I could move forward with confidence Mm. now having said that obviously there was this conflict of interest thing so now I'm in what I do is an interesting position because while I create content on Google tools there are a couple of Google tools that can be seen as competitors for a couple of camera products and that is increasing so it's something I'm continually mindful of into creating content and what content I promote uh, publicly because there, there is still that tension, at least in my mind. And there will come a point where I probably have to have a conversation about that. Yes. It's not come yet, but I'm just, yeah, but I know I can do that on the basis of the formal process that yeah. I already have in place. And particularly too, because you're not an employee of Google. No, no, that's exactly and, right. And then you've never had a conversation with Google. And so I think there are many tools in the world now that anybody can use. And yes, it's got the brand name of Google, for example, in it. And it serves the organization of Google, but there are people out there who love their product and who have become experts in it and are promoting it and sharing it. But there's no exchange of money or even other considerations or benefits or privileges. It's just like, hey, we we will, from a kind of general community point of view, support people doing this kind of thing in terms of sharing their products. But it does put you in an interesting position. You are using some other organization's products in the context of an organization that has, as you said, potentially competing things but you're not a representation of the organization that has that product 
And and to add an extra layer of complexity of that, because at Canva, I manage our Google environment. I also then have a relationship with Google in the context of Canva and my employment. Right. So, and I had a con- I had a relationship with them beforehand. So there is these many elements where mm. I have to be careful, but I think part of that too, and what I loved about the process at Canva and what I would say to anyone, even if they didn't have a formal process for this, is just the openness about it. Like just being able to say like, well, this is a situation and I'm aware that there could be all of these Mm. conflicts. How are we going to handle them? Because I think like, had I gone in being like, oh no, no, I I don't do anything separate. Like, you know, well, that would have been a recipe for disaster. Or if I had gone and gone, oh, well, I guess I just can't do anything. I'm not even going to try. Right. So and it's yeah. for this kind of thinking, which is why I created the idea in the self-unlimited workscape of having seven responsibilities, because you and the entity of Sam Unlimited can think about these seven responsibilities, even as a kind of organization of one, even being employed inside of an organization. But the seven responsibilities also have a direct relationship to what goes on inside of an organization. So for you, uh, they have policies and procedures that need to be followed, which falls under the rules responsibility. And for you, then there's a consideration, okay, so what are their rules that I might need to abide to, but what are my rules and why am I, I need to negotiate? What is a rule that works for both of us in terms of something that helps me with my intentions? And then another one, more importantly, is the one of rain. Like I have a vision and intentions for the workscape of Sam Unlimited. So as a, as the sovereign of Sam Unlimited, what are my hopes and desires? But also Canva is an entity. It has a leadership team and a strategic view of what it wants to do in the world. And how does it fit with that? And I think you've said this a couple of times, but I'm going to call it out. It's that I'm allowed to have that view I mean, a lot of people think, oh, if I go to work for an organization, it's what they want and I just have to do what they want. And a little bit to what you just said, it's almost like if I want to do something, I've got to keep that quiet because it's all about them. And then it's like, "Mm, but am I being dishonest or am I maybe putting myself in an element of conflict or that doesn't feel authentic and genuine or a level of integrity? Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think like it, it doesn't have to be like that either or. Mm. Said that right. But I mean, and again, I was so lucky, right? Because I've come in and there's this precedent for it. But I think that, you know, if we get back to my understanding and part of the reason why Canva have this precedent and why they want it is because they want to attract good quality talent mm. at the end of the day, right? Like that's it's what a, a smart move for them as an organization. Exactly. And they know, hence their statement about they know that many Camelots have this going on because they know that people that are going to be the high quality talent they want probably aren't going to just be satisfied with one thing or they may be exploring multiple things. So I think like there's that recognition of that. But even if you're going into an organization that doesn't have that, if that's something that's important to you, having that conversation up front, like we know we have conversations about like money and conditions but that is just another conversation around, well, this is what I do. How are we going to make this yeah. work? And and to me, what that will show is the culture of the organization. And yeah, if yeah. that's a hard no, then that would be asking yourself, is that the culture I want to be in, right? Mm. Like, so not just throwing those things out or keeping them secret, being open yeah. about it is going to be the best way forward. And like, just coming back to your, the rules thing, if I can, Helen, like yeah, thinking yeah. about that, like, like there's rules of engagement for how this works. And one that is obviously really clear is that I'm not doing my own thing inside our typical business hours of of Canva life, which is a hundred percent makes sense. So that, 
you know, has come up a few times in that I've had multiple approaches during the year for people wanting me to come and do some, some work with them, which I've turned down. There's been a couple that I have been able to accept because they've been on a weekend or they've been in a international time zone that meant it was either very late or very early but then yes. so I'm outside of that bounds yes but that for me like you know what like you know at Canberra we have a very trusting workplace in that I work from home the majority of the time theoretically I could be doing whatever I want but obviously I'm not because not only is that their rule it's also my rule and I yes. think that's what's important to say here yes. is that I had to set those rules to myself and that's something that there's no boundaries there that are crossed because yes. that's just, otherwise that will compromise my personal integrity. Mm. And I would imagine that there's some rules that have some other implications for you. Like you mentioned a little bit about relationships in terms of like the relationship with Google. It can be, I'm allowed to have these relationships, but maybe I need to change the nature of that relationship or reset some expectations of what that relationship will be or maybe I'm going to have multiple relationships. If I happen to be talking to you when I'm at Canva in business hours, I'm wearing one hat. But if I'm talking to you in non-business hours, and I think sometimes people uh, kind of think, yeah, but you're still just Sam. And it's like, no, 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 no. I'm wearing many hats. Let me just, as the beginning of this conversation, let you know, one, in our relationship, we will have many hats that I will wear. Two, when I have a conversation, I'm going to signal to you which hat I'm wearing so we know we can have the right conversation and the right level of confidentiality or respect for the conversation we're having. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And I think you just said there the confidentiality and respect. And I think they're obviously two super important points. And one of the things that I guess comes back to a personal rule for me, right? Like that, I guess, is is first and foremost in everything right Mm -hmm. and one of the things that makes that really easy is that I I love working in Canva there's a great culture the people are wonderful so in me I naturally want to respect that I naturally want to protect that if I was in an organization and I hated being there the boss was a a a-hole and you know, I was We're very being valued. Ne- exactly. Yeah, things- I wasn't being valued. I was negative. And I then I'm gonna come with a whole different lens mm. and I'm gonna be like, oh well, I don't really care about them, so I'm just gonna say whatever. And yeah. you know, I wouldn't have that same respect. Mm. So I think that's also important because I genuinely value and respect each part, like these organizations in these different roles, mm. then I I just do that very naturally because it's that wanting to protect it. And I think you you say you do it naturally. What that says to me, though, is at some point in time, you decided this was an important part of who you were. So you were going to maintain it and preserve it. Yeah, exactly. And probably the, the number one rule I made for myself unconsciously at the time when I went into this was, okay, I've made a commitment to to work to this for this organization. And that now becomes my number one in the workscape. So, which means I had to make choices about what I was going to cut back on, what I was going to do. And I had an email the other day from someone, one of my favorite clients. They're like, Sam, we want you to come and work with us. And I was like, I would love to, but no. And, you know, as much as I would absolutely adore going and being with them, my rule is that Canva is number one. So that means like, you know what, I could have gone, oh, well, you know what, I'll take some leave. It's like, no, 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 because that's not, that's not appropriate. Right. So in making camera number one, it means I've made other compromises, but I'm happy to do so because I've got this overall really lovely work save and it's helped me also pair back 
do exactly what I want to do mm. in the other side. Because at the end of the day, if I'm spending time on my weekends and after hours doing it, it's going to be something I'm enjoying doing. Otherwise, why am I doing it? Yeah. And knowing that you're all about productivity, I, I think you would absolutely get the point that by having made that rule, when these decisions come in, you don't have to spend the whole weekend agonizing. Like, I know what the rule is. There's an easy answer. Yes, exactly. no. It, it, it does or doesn't pass the test. And I can now move on and use my energies for other things. Spot on. Yeah, exactly. And I had one client, I went back and forth. I'm like, I can't do it. I can't do it because of the timing. And then I suddenly realized, I'm like, oh, hang on, you're in America. Oh, no, I actually can. Like, because again, the rule flipped. I'm like, oh, that's like yeah. six o'clock in the morning or whatever. Yes. Totally, I can yes. do that. Yes. Like, yeah, but it does. It makes it easy. So, mm. yeah. And one of the things that I encourage people is to actually write these rules down. And they might think, oh, no, no, I know what they are because the world shifts and evolves and changes. And when you start out in a new situation, you kind of think, oh, this is the deal I've made with myself and the rules I'm going to abide by or the way I'm going to work. But as things evolve, that can kind of get lost. And at a point where something comes along, you think, hang on, what, what, what am I doing here? And if you actually have something written down, particularly at a point when you were starting, which sets your intentions, you've at least got that to go back and go, oh, you know, that's right. Oh, let me reset back to that rule or that expectation. Or it might be, yeah, no, that rule doesn't work anymore. In which case, that's fine. I just wrote a new rule. I don't have to be um, held to that as if it's never going to change. Yeah, that's right. It can be like, I always feel that thing about they're not rules, they're guidelines. But but yeah, like you're right. I think having them stated and reviewed because yes. as things evolve, yes, they're all going to look very different. Well, it also, I think writing it down gets you more clear what actually is the rule and what is my intention of the rule so it's not that it has to be there as a judgment tool it's just a process of clarifying my thinking about yeah "Yeah, my do I have a thought on this it's a bit vague no no let me get crystal clear on what my thought is about this and that would probably be really helpful as well if you were going into an organization that didn't have a formal process for this kind of thing because you can be opening that conversation with this is what I would like it to look like based on these rules I've created for myself which shows this forethought um, yes. Because I think like, you know, a lot of employers would be nervous about some of the things we've talked about. Oh, like, what are they just going to be like, you know, selling the thing on the internet on my company time or whatever. So if you've already gone through that process yeah. and you can come with those clear rules for yourself, then that sets a really nice place yeah. to start. Well, it's, it also says something about I'm prepared. I'm yeah. serious. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm a person worthy of having a negotiation with. Whereas if you come and like, oh, I'm kind of wondering and you're all a bit eerie fairy, yeah. an organization be like, well, I don't know what you're asking of me here. And I think part of this, yeah. a lot of the self unlimited is taking, it can feel a bit like it's preparatory work for something. And it kind of is. It's like, if there were moments that were to come, do I know where I stand? Have I mm-hmm. taken the time to reflect or get my thoughts down? as a preparation for something that might be coming because failure to do that preparation because it could maybe feel like extra work it's like yes but you want to be taken as a professional serious contender a mature adult in these conversations yeah particularly if you're asking for something that's not considered the normal way of doing things like Mm. yeah go in with every of the setting it up for success in terms of making it an easy yes Yes, yes, very smart. So we've talked a little bit about rules and relationships. I'm wondering, is there a resources implication here in terms of the things that you're doing off to the side that probably needs things that you buy, whether that's subscriptions or physical items and things that, you know, Canva's not buying, but you might be getting for yourself. 
definitely those sort of physical financial resources. So I was, again, I was in a little bit of a lucky position in that I had set up most of that beforehand. Mm. So I bought all that stuff. Um, so mainly for me, it's around film equipment and stuff, but there is ongoing subscriptions. But there was a point in time that you even bought it out of your own money. Oh, totally. 100% I did. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I bought it was the Sam Unlimited budget and there's Sam Unlimited resources, not any organization. Exactly. They are. And then what I did when I knew I was making this transition at the end of last year, because I had separate money, separate accounts for the stuff I was doing professionally. So I actually made sure I'd set myself up with enough of a buffer to have around a two-year slush fund. I don't know if that's the right word. We'll just go with it. It's whatever you get to call it and say I'm unlimited. I'm dig into. To, to, so I knew what all the expenses would be to keep running what I wanted to keep running yep. over a couple of year period. So I've, I've got that put aside. But what's really interesting, and I thought I might share this, Helen, just again, it's something just to be aware of culturally in different organizations. And it could provide a conflict. So that's why I want to bring it up. But one of the things we have as a wonderful benefit of being an employee Canva is we have what we call our Vibe and Thrive Allowance. So we get $2,000 that we can spend every year on anything to do with our general general well-being. And by saying that, it's incredibly broad. It's well-being. I love that it's broad and it's not specific. No, it is very broad. Well-being, professional development, like it's very, very broad. So I use mine for my gym membership. But the point I want to make is we can also use it to buy personal equipment. So theoretically, which I haven't needed to, but if I did need to buy some, I could actually do that. Now, it's an interesting one for me because it's like, well, if I'm buying that to then use to do this other stuff, but at the end of the day, again, that's a conversation I could have and I don't actually foresee it being a problem. I mean, another area is, for example, we are allowed to use our Canva equipment for personal use. So I have a very high spec MacBook, which is awesome, but I've actually chosen not to use it to create my content. Using my old old Windows machine, Ooh. the struggles, but it's just, again, it's this personal thing for me. Of, it's a rule that you've made for yourself there. Correct. Exactly. And I'm like, I knew it would be way better if I used the Mac, but it's just, it's just this way of separating it yeah. in my mind. Yes. So yes, yeah, to answer your question, like I've made allowances for it and I'm happy, again, I'm happy to do that because I was thinking about Helen and please correct me, I'm going to get the names wrong, but your value creation cards. The value my, exchange cards. Value exchange cards. So I got your value exchange card, I think it was in 2021, and I did that. And the most important things for me in that were around things like joy and giving back to others, et cetera. The money thing was quite low. Right. So when we come to this point of me deciding to use resources to fund this stuff, it's like if it's bringing me joy and it's helping me help people and all that, I'm happy to spend my money on that. If it wasn't though, hence like coming out of having to pair back to what the things that did, then I wouldn't. Yeah. And that's a wonderful example of how thinking about what is the value I want to get out of something, because then it puts in context things like you just said, if I'm spending money on something, it is actually towards something that will create value for me. And therefore it makes sense to me. And that's such a personal decision for an individual rather than something going, oh, no, you shouldn't spend money on those things. That's what the organization should pay for. And I'd be saying, whoa, 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 context. Who am I? What's important to me? What's the workscape I'm in right now? And one of the considerations could actually be for people when we're thinking even value exchange, there could be a value exchange ledger for Sam Unlimited, 
there could be a different value exchange ledger for Sam as an employee at Canva. And it can be useful to have them sitting side by side to recognize in the entire workscape, there's one that's for me that has got things in it that are not going to be created or for me at Canva. And you mentioned before about for you, one of the things that you wanted was the ability to do some training. And that wasn't part of the job role. And the fact that you're thinking, yes, it's still important to me. So it's in the workscape. It's just not in the workscape part that's handled by Canva. So I take responsibility to figure out how I'm going to put that in my own workscape. Yeah, spot on. It's just like, if you like, I recognize like, this is something that fulfills me. Like, mm. tick that box. Yeah. And it's funny, like thinking about the resources too is, you know, as things often work in a beautiful way, because I share a lot of that content online, like I have a whole lot of people that can engage with it, which is actually really lovely. Mm. And I don't mind it at all. It could be that direction where you could go, oh, hang on a minute. Well, I created that in my own time. And now these camp, it's like, well, no, 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 that's not what it's about. Like, again, if that was my motivation, I could see how that would be a problem. But it's just this way of being able to bring that in and supplement what I'm doing, right? Like, well, it speaks to that cross-fertilization possibility. And I think awesome. I, I love that Canva have this view that the things that people are doing actually can, whether it's a, and create a great energy for people when they come to work or maybe new ideas that might become part of something that Canva yeah. can offer or just it will actually get us employees that are highly engaged and thriving. And so it's kind of an indirect benefit rather than a direct one. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like, you know, again, I keep saying I'm very lucky because I am right. But culturally, that's what it's very much about is that that whole, you know, engaged employee that is thriving. I think you've said that and like Mm -hmm. them recognizing that that's not just about what happens in you know the, the official business hours. Right. Like it's a whole thing outside as well. I am so thrilled for you in terms of what I hear and what's going on. So as we come to a close, might we kind of summarize whether there's some tips you've already got or some tips that you think to add? If somebody was like, wow, I'd like to be like Sam and do what Sam's doing, what would be your advice to them about the things that they might do or consider? Yeah, so an important thing was to think, obviously everyone's going to be a different situation, right? Like in terms of how much time they're going to have in each so like if, if it's this whole idea of like, how do I combine something I like to do myself, but it's got these crossovers professionally. Yeah. I think the first thing would be like being really realistic about what's the bare minimum I could do that I would be happy with. Is it because about a it, time measure? About time. Yeah. And yeah. actually I haven't said this, Helen, and I probably should because it's yeah. really important. So even though, you know, like you might be in a position now where you're working five days a week full time with an organization and you're doing X amount on the side. So if you're saying in your own organized, same organization and just having a conversation about blending, okay, mm-hmm. one thing. But if you're moving to a different organization, that changes the game completely. And mm-hmm. what I didn't tell you was that starting a Canva in that role was the biggest adjustment of my career mm-hmm. in that they say when you join that the first six months is this a roller coaster. There's a whole graphic about it. I have never felt so <laughs> mentally exhausted and mentally pushed and so constrained in my mental and attention resources Mm. I had in my life when I started a camp. And that is not a bad thing. It Mm. was just the nature of the organization and the role took a very large toll. So I had wonderful. They're they're realistic about that and and knowing that it happens and accommodating it. Exactly. Like, it's just like, everyone's like, this is just what happens because you are thrown so far in the deep end in an organization that's scaling so quickly Mm. that it's, it's intense. So the reason I say that is that 
I had to be really clear on what was going to be a bare minimum to fulfill that part of me yes. and be happy with just doing that. And it would because seem it's at a different points in time. Like you might have thought, ideally in the long term, it would be this. But for the first six months, it will be something different. Just like this, yeah. Because I had to keep letting go of things mm. as I was like, oh gosh, like I cannot handle it. So I think being really clear on that is important because then it helps you set those rules for yourself. Mm. And also, I mean, we talked resources, physical, financial, but also helps manage your time resource, your energy yes. resource. Yes, brilliant. Really yeah. And then... Just being open, I think, is that second one, which, again, we, we've talked about. But not if you come from a place of, oh, this is probably wrong and I probably shouldn't be doing this and they're probably not going to like that, like, then that place is going to just play out because that's yep. the energy you're bringing to it. Now, if you're coming from a place of like, oh, well, I think this is possible and I know really great organizations do this because I've just heard someone talking about it and my organization is really great and I think you are and I'd love to see how we explore that, then that's a whole different, you know, ball mm. game. Because again, it sets it up for success. And I just go to love, I love what you said about writing down those rules and having those rules for you and going into that conversation with those mm. rules. I think that would be the third thing. Such an important part in yeah. getting the outcome that you would like. But once you're clear on what that outcome is. A thought that I can add in here and then is about with the value exchange, do the value exchange ledger, and at many points, you could do it at the point of I'm about to apply for this role, or whether I, I've found it or whether I'm actually being tapped on the shoulder. But what's important to me in terms of the value I get to put in and the value I get out? So mm -hmm. just what's my view at that point? Then there might be a point, and that can help inform what I actually might put into the application and, and yeah. what sorts of things I would be looking for in terms of investigating the organization. Then at a point that I was at the interview, it can help shape my thinking about, okay, which things do I need to check on? Which things do I need to explore? Which things do I need to ask for? Which things do I need to kind of test where their thinking is around certain things and then there might be a point where uh, you start to think hmm this isn't all in my workscape in which case you might go right I need a value exchange ledger for my workscape and one for the organization because there are certain things that will be constrained by the organization that doesn't mean I only have to have one value exchange ledger it's a case of saying some other things will have to go into another value exchange ledger and I'll have to deal with those and figure out a way that I will do in my own time under my own resources. And then there might even be a point where you're starting to be inducted and you've taken on the role or, or you, first of all, you're figuring out your contract. Okay, which of those things are so important to me? I need to have them somehow formally documented in the contract or, as you say, filling out a form and submitting it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's an excellent tip, Helen. And I love you said, use the word research because I think what was unique about this situation for me professionally, it was the first time I actually had properly investigated an organization before wow. diving in mm. every else I was just like they're offering something I'm sure it'll be fine dive and then yeah. you know there was a couple of dives maybe mm. not the best but that gave me then so much reassurance going in that no this is a good step forward and I can make this work and but even still going in and I think it's important to be realistic right when I went into that, I also went in recognizing that if it meant I had to let everything else go, because that could have been an out, it still could be an outcome. And not because of what they dictated. I'm not saying that it's purely time, energy, life situation. I went into knowing that 
if this role and in this organization was going to be the only thing in my workscape, that would be okay. And that was the decision I made so that I wouldn't end up being disappointed. If I had gone and going, oh, well, you know what? This is actually pretty average, but I guess as long as I can be doing all this stuff, I can, I can deal with it. That wouldn't have been a good place for me to go in. You've just described two different ways that you could exercise your sovereignty and reigning over your workscape about this is my choice in terms of I recognize that that choices can be constrained for different reasons, but I recognize I'm thinking about it and I'm making a choice and I'm deciding what is important to me. Sam, this has been a wonderful conversation. So many wonderful insights. And I, I think, and I hope a lot of inspiration for people who are wondering how they might actually work in such an organization in such a way. Thank you so much for sharing. Ah, thank you for listening and for your wonderful insights. I always enjoy our chats. So I'm really glad I could come back and share the next step of my journey. Workscapes are changing everywhere. For more goodness to change your workscape, visit www.beselfunlimited.com 